This podcast is brought to you by Knowledge at Wharton. We have talked about the use of mindfulness in a variety of locations these days, even within some of our schools. But a new book looks at how the impact of mindfulness shouldn't just stop with our personas. Gretchen Steidel is founder and president of Global Grassroots, an organization focused on what women can do to help social change. She has authored a book titled Leading from Within, which looks at how uh, organizations and companies can receive a benefit from, at times, its leaders investing in mindfulness and bringing some of those elements to their workforces. And it's a pleasure to have Gretchen joining us right now. Gretchen, welcome. Thank you for your time today. Thank you so much. My pleasure. Thank you. So where was it that that you started to see this link between mindfulness and and other areas of our society? Well, for me, um, I started off uh, on a path that um, began in the investment banking arena. And, um, you know, I was very much in the business uh, realm, very uh, focused on ambition, and was leading a life that was relatively stressful. Um, and at some point, recognized the need for my own personal you know, stress management tool, which is when I first found mindfulness. But it wasn't until a sort of a career change into the social impact realm where I was working more in. Um, issues related to um, genocide and war and social change in impoverished countries of East Africa, that I started recognizing that mindfulness needed to be a tool integrated into the way that we see social change unfolding. There's uh, plenty of people in the social sector who have brilliant ideas for social change, but oftentimes they're delivered in ways that aren't attuned really to the needs of the people they're serving. Um, we're just as good in that sector as in uh, the, the finance and business sector of getting burnt out and overly stressed. And then that distorts the way in which we see how we can, um, you know, uh, effectively implement our work. And uh, there's much greater innovation that can happen if we're coming at it from a place of deeper self-awareness around how change actually unfolds. Uh, the impact you think this could potentially have and having that mindset, uh, it, it feels like it, it. you believe that it has the opportunity to be somewhat transformational, correct? Absolutely. Um, mindfulness goes so much further beyond the benefits to the self, although those benefits that science is increasingly defining uh, for us make us better leaders and better change agents. And in so doing, we're going to run more effective organizations. We're going to diagnose problems um, within and outside our, our institutions more effectively and with deeper understanding. And we're going to build relationships and create solutions that are going to be uh, longer, um, more sustainable, and more um, uh, impactful in the long term. And I certainly can and speak to those details as well. Please go ahead. because And also, I'd be interested to know why, I mean, mindfulness has been around, I think, in, in various forms for some time now. So why is it now that seemingly we are more aware of this approach? And as I mentioned at the top, uh, my kids in school actually are taking mindfulness right now. Fantastic. I love to hear that it's integrated um, in so many different parts of our society. The thing is, now science is catching up with what um, these traditions have known for centuries, and, and that is that mindfulness is actually a way of training your brain. 
by practicing mindfulness, and, and we should just step back and say what that is. Right. Um, mindfulness is simply paying attention on purpose in this present moment. And that can mean paying attention to whatever's going on inside you, like recognizing you're getting frustrated at something that's unfolding in front of you, and what's happening around you, like actually seeing and hearing um, the circumstances that you're facing in um, in your external environment. And the more that we pay attention to that, the more that we are actually exercising our brain and we're changing the structure and the functioning of it, that brings us certain benefits. We become uh, less reactive. We are able to um, regulate our emotions better. We have the ability to kind of disengage our automatic ways of responding uh, and it, use more insight and more a deeper understanding of ourselves and others in the way that we make decisions. And so we're not just controlled by our emotional reactivity. Um, we're able to access a greater uh, sense of, of wisdom, for example. Right. Um, it has plenty of positive benefits to you know your physiology as well, um, decreased stress, decreased anxiety, decreased depression, increased immune functioning. And all of these things make us better capable of building relationships. We can express ourselves better. We uh, are going to handle anger and conflict with less, um, less uh, you know, emotional reactivity. Obviously, that makes for uh, better managers and leaders. But now we shift into how it affects the way in which we understand and create change. So the conventional ways of creating change typically um, use sticks and carrots, and we try to force and tell people to comply with what we want them to do with respect to our you know, policies or behaviors or actions we want. Conscious social change uh, in, invokes mindfulness to address change from an entirely different perspective. We start with understanding change from the inside out. As we employ mindfulness in seeing how we deal with change in our day-to-day environment, how we grasp at it because we, you know, we desperately want success right. or we want those improved metrics, um, but we also avoid it. You know, we have trouble adapting to different environments. When we see how we go through that process, we start to have a deeper level of understanding and empathy and compassion for those we're trying to change. This is you know, critical in any sort of social impact work, if we are trying to change and transform other people's lives, that we do it with a deeper human understanding. We're going to be more effective in doing so. So first, it starts from that understanding of the, the human drivers of behavior. And then we work in different ways. Rather than getting too attached to our own agenda or our own you know, solution, we're more inclined to listen and open up to the radical wisdom that comes from unexpected sources. We listen to those we want to work with. We collaborate um, in ways that allow us to diagnose issues more comprehensively and completely. We then understand and hear all views and needs and values, and we discern with a collaborative process what's really going to work and be most effective rather than create you know, blame or use division to say, you know, it's their, they need to change it's their problem. We work in a way that is more uh, comprehensive and collective and collaborative and coming to uh, a common vision 
and the interventions and business models and, and products we choose to address that particular issue. So and you, mindfulness changes the way in which we go through the entire social innovation process. So you, you believe, it sounds like, that this is something that if, if people that were leading companies had this kind of perspective, that it would almost be a little bit of a filter-down process to the employees that work in a particular company, and the benefits would obviously not just be that one person and, and the reaction that they have or the, the better understanding and, and not being as tense and not getting into you know, as many issues. It would filter down throughout the organization, and then the organization as a whole would be much better. Absolutely. So one, you lead better as a manager who approaches things from a place of curiosity as opposed to judgment and blame. And you're more likely going to um, you know, be willing to keep an open mind and grow with the things that are unfolding for you. And that's going to inspire other people and the best in other people um, uh, to be going through a similar process. Now you can, on a practical level, you can foster that in the way you lead your organization, creating policies and space and time that honor people's need for renewal, um, create avenues for them to, you know, learn these kinds of practices. It, it provides greater levels of, of creativity and innovation within the firm, but then it's also the way that you handle decision-making. So as one example, um, Patagonia, for example, went through a period of time where they faced major shortfalls and there was likely going to have to be cuts of up to 150 different um, people All in right. order to um, you know, meet needs in one particular quarter. And the leadership went into a reflective process and asked, you know, are we making these decisions, imposing them from the top down from a place of fear? How else could we do this more mindfully? And they decided to bring together the entire company, um, be transparent about what they were facing, and the entire staff worked together to create a much more innovative solution that cut costs and not one person had to be laid off because of that approach. Which you just don't hear about enough today. I mean, the idea of a lot of companies is to cut first and then try and figure it out later, uh, which is, is disappointing. Uh, and that, that is not only transformational for a company itself, but it, to a degree, it's transformational for the, co for the economy in general. Absolutely. And think about the morale and the ownership oh, yeah. and the yeah. engagement of the people yeah. and the communities in which you serve. Um, this is, um, you know, and mindfulness as a leadership ethos is more effective within any sector, whether you're talking about the business sector, the social sector, even within politics and, um, and building policy from a community level on up. But do you think do you think that companies are. I mean, some are, as you just mentioned with Patagonia, willing to kind of, you know, take this approach. Do you think companies in general are willing to take that next step? I'm seeing significant shifts um, that are taking place. You see, um, you know, a lot of the tech companies are looking at mindfulness, and I think it's starting as, a, as an investment in the well-being of staff and right. understanding that it supports productivity and creativity and morale. But I think um, that it's starting to be recognized as a tool that goes beyond the individual benefits. And it's actually a way of um, shifting, creating change and doing business more mindfully and effectively and more collaboratively, especially with your stakeholders. 
But I would think also to a degree, and I think you alluded to this before, that not only does that have an impact on said employees, but it, when you're thinking about the structure of companies these days and a lot of the issues that are out there, one of which is healthcare. you know, companies are looking for any and all ways right now that they can do what they can to relieve stress and keep employees as healthy as they possibly can. Absolutely. And I think it certainly helps your bottom line in a number of different ways, uh, employee well-being and health and uh, ret- retention. Um, and and you're seeing it in the way that uh, organizations are actually redefining their business model as well. Um, so it's, it is all around a worthwhile investment, and it starts with the individual. We are talking with uh, Gretchen Steidel, who is the author of the book Leading from Within, Conscious Social Change and Mindfulness for Social Innovation. Your comments are welcome at 844-WHARTON, 844-942-7866. Or if you'd like, send us a comment via Twitter, either at BizRadio111 or my Twitter account, which is at DanLoney21. I'd be interested to get your opinion on whether you think this this acceptance of mindfulness to a degree is a is a generational change. I mean, whether this is something that is truly being driven by younger generations, but obviously to a degree it's being accepted by, by older generations as well. That's a great question. Um, I'm seeing it across, um, across all generations at this time. I mean, there's individuals who've been practicing this for decades who are really leading the charge and helping us see the applicability of mindfulness in a number of different settings beyond where it sort of initially emerged out of more um, wisdom traditions. And, and I think young people, millennials today, from what I've experienced, really are seeking a professional experience that brings them a level of meaning and purpose in mm-hmm. addition to um, the other forms of success that we seek from um, our professional endeavors. And by investing in a process of mindfulness that may come from something outside the workforce, um, they're recognizing that this is integrated into the way in which they choose career and life balance and um, what's next for them in terms of their education. And, and so this is relevant. This is relevant and where companies can um, embrace this now, they will really be on the cutting edge in creating workplaces that uh, support the well-being of all workers. And this is not about self-indulgence. This is about um, recognizing that um, there's a different way of leading, of, of understanding each other, and uh, creating um, environments and cultures that support the best from from each individual that's that's part of that uh, organization's culture. 844-942-7866 is the number to give us a call. If you'd like to join in, we're talking with uh, Gretchen Steidel, who is the author of the book, Leading from Within, Conscious Social Change and Mindfulness for Social Innovation, 844-942-7866. Or if you'd like, send us a comment via Twitter, and we'll bring it up on the show that way. Uh, at Biz Radio 111 or my Twitter account, which is at Dan Loney 21. You kind of, you, and we've talked about it a little bit, but you break this down in the book really into, into five areas. Uh, and, and I'll let you go through them just in general, but 
uh, I'll get into the, the couple of specific points uh, when we move forward here, but start with uh, cultivating the presence and, and uh, take us through that part of it as well. Sure. So this is the first step of integrating mindfulness into the social change process um, or any sort of change process is understanding and building your own self-awareness. So we do this by practicing different mindfulness activities. There's a lot of different places where you can learn mindfulness practices, but if you simply practice sitting and noticing, even if you just are watching and counting your own breaths, that is the start of stimulating the parts of your brain that are, are going to um, bring you the benefits that we spoke earlier of, mm-hmm. this brain training and exercise of your brain process. The more that we practice being aware of whatever is happening, in fact, I use the question what is happening as kind of the key question for this first step, the more that we begin to um, notice how change and how our our current circumstances are affecting us, how where stress originates, um, you know, what we might need in that particular moment, what is um, our role in any particular circumstance and situation. And we also begin to see that whatever we experience is usually something that's relatively impermanent. You know, it shifts over time. And so we, we, stop to sort of, we stop identifying with certain things. We can let our judgment go and we can kind of just be more patient with whatever we're experiencing in the moment and less reactive. So that's the first step is just plain noticing whatever's happening. And, and I guess to a degree that that really does rely on on each individual's kind of understanding of themselves and, and being able to actually in, in this kind of crazy world where, you know, more and more people seem that, that they're more hectic and, and harried than ever before, just to be able to take a minute or two and, and recognize some of these things. Right. How often do we take a moment just <laughs> to be completely available? You know, the minute we have a pause, we're switching right to another form of technology to see what's happening someplace yeah. else. In fact, there was a Harvard study in 2010 that showed that just about 50% of our waking hours, our minds are wandering. And they found mm. that people were less happy when their minds were wandering. Instead, Hmm. this is about training ourselves to be aware of the present moment, whether you're sitting in traffic, you're standing in line, you know, and it's going to support you in being able to act with a lot more self-control than we may normally be when we're on automatic pilot. I'd be interested to know if you're and whether you know this or not, historically, I mean, is that 50 percent number uh, much greater than what we may have seen 30 or 40 years ago? I don't know if we'd studied it that long ago. I think that's a great question and whether or not we're becoming more and more distracted by all of the stimulation we have around us um, or not. How do you think curiosity impacts this in this day and age as well? I think curiosity is a critical um, component of mindfulness uh, that allows us to uh, look at what's unfolding. And this includes, you know, scrutinizing and examining a business strategy or circumstance or looking at, you know, whatever is uh, is creating anxiety for us in a moment. And it allows us to open with that level of non-judgment so that we can explore what's really underlying this at the root level. This is part of the 
the um, effectiveness of uh, a, a social innovator is that we get to the roots of an issue by inquiring. And we inquire with that curiosity through a mindfulness practice and also by looking at um, uh, the innovation process. We try to understand the whole ecosystem of what is um, taking place. We ask why we're proactive in looking at our own role in maintaining the status quo. We look at what's our blind spots and our own biases. We look at where our reactivity is coming from. With all of that kind of curiosity, we're less likely to kind of get attached to our own agenda and not be able to hear the ideas of other people. And we know we've all worked with people like that that just can't see beyond what they think, my way or the highway. Right. It makes us um, more uh, willing to learn from what our relationships and experiences are teaching us. We come at then our relationships with more humility and uh, greater levels of, of willingness to compromise and take accountability and responsibility for our stuff. And that's going to make us willing to be more inclusive, more um, open to diverse ideas, and thus a greater potential for innovation because it's being informed by a much more diverse um, collective of input. It is interesting, though, that you have those two kind of elements that are that are coming together now, which is a very important time when you're talking about uh, innovation being a factor in this as well, considering that really it seems like so many people are looking to innovate, whatever it may be, on a variety of different levels these days. So it, it's almost like it's a it's a perfect mesh of time and space. Exactly. And I think, um, you know, being able to be and, and, you know, another benefit uh, through that science is demonstrating of of mindfulness is this increased response flexibility and enhanced present moment integration. And, and this means we are able to um, take in more information that we can process in each moment. Um, we're able to be more flexible in the way we respond and we're going to disengage our automatic ways of behaving. So if we're doing this on a moment-to-moment basis in our relationships, we're going to hear people better. We're going to ask better questions. Mm -hmm. We're going to discern the real needs and values and ideas, and we're going to learn how to leverage um, the, uh, you know, what is most possible from the unique experiences and perspectives of all around us. And so these capacities that um, keep us from going to snap judgments and relying upon our biased assumptions are going to make us better innovators. It doesn't mean that we can't, uh, you know, leaders know that they need to act decisively at certain times, but that's also part of being mindful as you know right. when to do that. And you also know when to step back and listen better. Great having you on the show, Gretchen. Thank you very much for your time today. Thank you. It's been my pleasure. Thank you. Gretchen Steidel. The book is Leading from Within, Conscious Social Change and Mindfulness for Social Innovation. The book is uh, available in bookstores and online right now. For more insight from Knowledge at Wharton, please visit knowledge.wharton.upenn.edu.